Hi, and welcome to Religion and Story. This is a bi-weekly podcast where we discuss anything and everything, but always from a Christian perspective. This is our fourth podcast, and we are going to discuss the Catholic Church and Catholic doctrine, what the Bible says about it, and how we interact with it today. I have Stephen and Daniel with me again today, and Stephen, you're going to get us started off. Right, so yeah, we're talking about the Catholic Church today. Uh, just wanted to get a few differences uh, that we can see between the churches of Christ and the Catholic faith. Uh, the first one that I'll point out is central leadership, and specifically that the Catholic Church views the Pope as the head of the church. He's an authoritative figure that is able to speak about uncertainties with any current issues that might might arise that are not clearly spelled out in the Bible, and the Pope's word is viewed as just as sacred as what is found in the Scripture. Um, another thing is uh, that the Catholic Church uh, honors and prays through Mary and the saints. Now, notice I used the word honor there. Uh, they do not worship uh, Mary or the saints. They uh, do not think that they are necessarily divine uh, but that they do have intercessory uh, powers uh, that they are able to guide us to, to conversate with God. Um, another thing is that the ministry within the Catholic Church is made up of priests, which is different from how the Church of Christ views uh, how we use the word priest, because we uh, identify all people that are Christians as priests um, or even saints. Um, another one is original sin. Uh, there's a lot to be said about this, uh, just the method of baptizing babies, sprinkling, um, and just how, how do you come to uh, understand how there's no examples of infant baptism in the scripture uh, and reconciling the uh, just the whole idea of the nature of man and does that then translate to original sin? Uh, a couple more is uh, transubstantiation. This is basically just uh, whenever you're taking communion, whenever you uh, eat the bread or drink the the juice or the wine, the, uh, the Catholics believe that once that enters your mouth, transubstantiation just means it actually uh, changes form into the actual body or blood of Christ. Um, and just one, this is not necessarily a doctrinal difference between the churches of Christ and the Catholic Church, but that there is a big gap between uh, regular attendance uh, within the churches of Christ and the Catholic Church. And we'll hit on that a little bit as well. But I'll hand it over to you guys. What, are, what, are, what can we take from these differences that we see between the churches of Christ and the Catholic Church? Well, obviously there's a lot going on there that there's, I can't think of hardly any other denomination that has more differences with the churches of Christ than the, the, Catholic, the Roman Catholic Church. Um, so there's a whole lot that we could discuss here. Um, I think probably the most noticeable thing and probably where there's the most tension is with the, uh, or the, the hierarchy in the Catholic Church. 
you mentioned the, the Pope sort of being at the top and a priest as well. And Church of Christ are very, um, are very dogmatic about um, the priesthood of all believers. That in some way we don't have any priests. Um, if we have, we don't have. If everyone's a priest, we really don't have any. Um, and there's a, a big. That, that's a big difference, and that causes a lot of uh, tension in how we respect our, our leaders in the Church of Christ versus how they view their leaders and the words that come out of their mouths. Michael, do you have any thoughts on that? Sure. Let me go ahead and agree with what you said uh, there, Daniel, about how the Catholic Church uh, probably finds more with not only the Church of Christ, but with all Protestant religions. And after all, the word Protestant means protesting against the Catholic Church. Uh, But I I will, I I know this might seem obvious, but just to point out, they have the most difference out of any group that we still say worships the same God. I think we would agree, uh, even amongst Churches of Christ, we would say that Catholics, although they're wrong, we, we, we believe they're wrong on certain issues, we would still say that they're worshiping the same Trinitarian God that we do, as opposed to uh, non-Christian religions or even uh, sects or um, groups like Mormonism, which which most Christians would say is not the same as other mainline uh, Christian religions. That yeah, said, I just wanted to thank you, Mike. Yeah, we should have probably even started with that to say. Um, we're not uh, ostracizing them from the Christian faith. They are um, worshiping the same God. So thanks, Mike, for bringing that up early on. But go ahead. Sure. Um, that said, there are some things about the Catholic Church that make them very different. Uh, Stephen, the ones I want us to focus on are on the Catholic uh, hierarchy, the way their leadership is set up, maybe some of the history there. Um, and I think I would like to talk about original sin, but I think that that is something that pervade that goes outside of the Catholic Church. Calvinism, most Baptists would would agree with the idea of original sin. So if we want to talk about that, that's fine. But it's not only a Catholic thing. Um, a couple of good things or things that I think we should commend the Catholic Church for. Um, Stephen, you brought up the fact that they have a low attendance rate amongst people that call themselves churches. Or they call themselves Catholic. Um, I think you would find that amongst most church groups that there is uh, just because their um, their members don't show up is not a fault of theirs. Uh, I know my own congregation has issues with that. Uh, every church wants everyone to show up every week. Um, also, some of their moral stance that they take on, like for instance, birth control. I think it's uh, admirable that they take such a strong stand on an issue that I, I disagree with, but it is, um, it's something that is um, biblically sound, although not biblically based, if, that, if, if I'm allowed to say that. So I'm up for talking about right. church leadership first. If Stephen, if you want to kind of lead us through uh, your points there. So, uh, yeah, I, I did want to go over a few things that are similarities between the Catholic Church and oh, okay. the Church of Christ. Uh, so, for example, both believe that Jesus was both God and man, uh, fully divine and fully man. Uh, salvation is a gift uh, from the grace of God that you must be baptized. Now, the 
when that baptism takes place is uh, another uh, issue that we'll get into, um, and just because the interpretation, uh, the difference of the nature of man. Um, both refute the Gnostic Gospels. Uh, denominationally, I'm using air quotes there, both churches have been associated with various movements that have formed what they are today, uh, talking about the Reformation against the Catholic Church, uh, and also the Restoration and Stone Campbell movements for, uh, that heavily influenced how the Churches of Christ uh, are organized today. Uh, the Catholic Church also has a, a, a basis of unity in the same way that the Churches of Christ do. They both claim to be the original church, and uh, again, uh, instrumental music and acapella music are found in uh, both Churches of Christ and uh, Catholic churches just from a uh, the name that you see on the building and what goes on inside of them. Uh, so, and uh, so we wanted to talk about, I guess the big difference and the most famous one that the churches of Christ uh, are subject to a congregational view of uh, el- or an, an eldership where the Catholic church falls under a Pope. And so I'll say it right off the bat. There's plenty of scriptures in the Bible that talk about that the authority of God comes from the scripture itself and that uh, there is no one that is head of the church except for Christ. Um, and the scripture that we'll probably refer to a, quite a bit is uh, Matthew 16, is it? Yes, Matthew 16, uh, 16 through 20. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and basically it's just talking there about uh, how uh, Jesus handed over the keys to the kingdom, I think is what some translations say. And uh, Simon Peter, on this rock, I, I will build my, upon this rock, I will build my church. And that's, that is the, the sole verse that the Catholic Church uses to base their idea that Peter was the first pope and they have it well documented, uh, who have been the popes um, from the very beginning, uh, or whenever Jesus made that statement to Peter, who was after Peter, and they have that line going to what we have today. So uh, before we get, so obviously, I, 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 well, I think we can say that the three of us disagree with that. Before we get into our disagreements, let's set up if let's set up the best Catholic argument we can for why the scripture should be read the way they say it should be read um, and why they do the things the way they do them. And then we can maybe say why we would disagree with that. Well, uh, yeah, <laughs> since we all three disagree, it is hard to give their best possible argument. But um, We'll do our best. Think, yeah, so we'll do our best. Um, I think probably the the way that they can best make that argument is because pretty early on in history we have it well documented that there are de facto leaders in the church. Um, uh, bishops for a certain area, bishops in Jerusalem or bishops in Rome, um, and we know are real people and we know that the church of that time gave a great deal of authority to uh, made them uh, the, the spokesmen. Um, the, uh, an equal among leaders, sort of like uh, the patriarch in the Eastern Orthodox Church. 
Um, and so they can go pretty far back with that. Uh, and, I mean, it's not too, maybe with Peter being in there, that's where it gets a little dicey. They do have a passage that they can say supports it. And then immediately after, it gets a little bit harder. Um, but I mean, there is well-documented history for a great deal of the, um, Bishop of Rome, that position of them being real people in the church, uh, following that individual. So, right. Uh, and here's, here's an issue that I had with the idea that the Catholic Church has a specific pope that they is in the succession of Peter. It, I, it just, I think it's amazing that nowhere down the line has, has there ever been a disagreement about uh, who should be the next in line uh, pope or who is going to be our next elected pope and wh- how did well, they never have a split over... That's, that's not true. That's not true. There has I been mean, plenty of that. In fact, uh, I guess so, uh, I mean, Daniel remind me of this. Is, the sit- were, there two po- were there two popes? I mean... Yes. Yeah, there there's a famous time in Catholic history where there is like 40 popes at one point um, because there was so much disagreement, um, and there was a great deal of corruption at that particular time in history. So go ahead, and So we had I, – I was just going to talk about Avignon and where the, the, uh, the papacy had to move out of Rome because of how unsafe it was. Uh, the Catholic Church, it, it's hard to – uh, disentangle history from theology and political science from religion in many of the stories we tell. So, um, yes, there have been disagreements before. However, the Catholic Church today does have one line of descendants that it would refer to. And so we should take them at face value for what they say. But, so and, you're but how can you view it as legitimate if there's been disagreements on who the actual uh, heir to the uh, papacy should have been. I mean, because at this point you have dueling popes, which, I mean, that could be a pretty good band name. You should probably trademark that. Dueling popes, <laughs> but that's, uh, I mean, I mean, God really had gets uh, too much legitimacy to it. I mean, we'll, we'll think of the Old Testament. So I think you're, saying that to make the point that if this was a God-ordained position, then there wouldn't be any um, disagreement there. There wouldn't be any confusion. But, I mean, we can think back to the Old Testament if we're all, if we're agreeing that that, um, if the the kings that God appoints, like King David, um, King Solomon, he appoints them, there is still contention for their position, because Absalom most notably. Um, So it's not to say that God can't ordain a position and then humans mess it up. Well, and, and one other thing I'll offer, and this is more of a, uh, a modern context. Um, I think it's upsetting to any group when outsiders come in and try to define their history for them. So if, and if, for example, within Churches of Christ, if someone wants to tell me what Churches of Christ believe, and I tell them, no, we don't, and no one agrees with what you just said, I think within Churches of Christ, while we have autonomy at a congregational level, we get to say what we believe. So it's not for us to say what Catholics believe about 
who their popes were. Um, so yes, there has been controversy there, but at the same time, you know, you can Google list of popes and come up with what is accepted by the Catholic Church uh, for who the pope has been. So that that in and of itself is not the issue. Okay. Well, let me take uh, the topic of the papacy and put it in this direction. Is the fact that they believe that the pope is the head of the church, is that a salvation issue? <laughs> well, I Slow think we should... I think we should probably even have a whole episode on that topic, because we've talked about this a few times, at least between the three of us, about salvation issues um, and what that Right, means. we can do that, but um, is it a salvation but, issue? But Okay, so for now, for this um, episode, I, I would go ahead and say that no, no it is not. Um, that it, and that's, that's going down on record for me to say that. Um that people being confused about the leadership in their um, particular fellowship is not going to um, disfellowship them from heaven. Um, Michael, what are your thoughts? Sure. Uh, so I think if I'm a member of the Catholic Church and I follow my church leadership, that, that's actually a good thing. Uh, so believing in the believing that the Pope is the head of the church. Is, that's not the thing that I would say is wrong for them. Now, there's other things that I would say are salvation issues that many Catholics would disagree with. Now, let me also say this, that if I'm the Pope, um, I think that it is wrong for the Pope to say that their words are binding. Uh, so... The structure of the Catholic Church, and I'm hoping that I get this right. Um, you know, Catholics should feel free to disagree with the way I'm, I'm categorizing this, but for the Pope to say that their words are buying, you know, are being bound on earth, what, you know, and Jesus has given them the power to do this. I think that that is a salvation issue. Where for someone to take what is not theirs according to scripture, um, is, that for can example, be a salvation issue quote by uh, the Pope, if someone is gay and searches for the Lord and has good will, who am I to judge? That was from, uh, what was The current Pope. 2015? Yeah. Uh, Francis. So, and, well, so, and I think what, what Pope Francis is saying there, that if, if someone uh, suffers, and this is, <laughs> for the record, this is me defending the Pope. Um, what he's saying there is that if someone struggles with homosexuality, that they are they they find themselves tempted by homosexual desires but not acting on them that they can still come to faith in Christ in the same way that uh, a heterosexual man or woman who lusts after someone um, even though they might be tempted by those struggles they can still come to faith so I, there there are other things for example indulgences or praying through Mary, which you brought up earlier, that the Catholic Church leadership has put into place, which is contrary to Scripture. And I, I think the Pope would acknowledge that if the Bible goes against what they say, that the Bible trumps them. However, they wouldn't acknowledge that the Bible goes against what they say. They would say hypothetically if it ever did. Um, and so, ha having so, if you have a Catholic friend that you're trying to have a conversation with, 
you don't go to the Pope, you go to the Bible and say, don't we want to follow what the Bible says about these issues? So those are my thoughts. And so what they're presented with the truth and they say, no, the Pope has anything that comes out of his mouth is, I mean, they, I wouldn't say gospel, but they view it as authoritative over the church. Right. So just in the same way that within Churches of Christ, while I'm subject to the elders of my congregation, if they say something that goes against Scripture, I should I should call call them out or look to have a conversation with them about it, and I would be responsible for following Scripture rather than my church leadership. It just so happens that for Catholics, it's much more removed from their daily okay. life. You can't. So, yeah. Go ahead. Could you say that it's a salvation issue for the Pope himself rather than for the rest of the church? Because we you got yes. to think that the Pope knows what he's doing. I I would agree with you there, Stephen. That um, every Pope, and I'm, I'm looking at my list. I think there's been uh, according uh, there's been 266 Popes, and for each one, and I'm hoping Peter didn't actually believe this, but. Uh, for each one, although Peter, you know, Peter's words in Scripture are inspired by God, um, I would say that for each one of those popes that thought that they had binding power, um, not to interpret Scripture, but to say something that goes beyond Scripture, I would say that for each one of them, that is sin. Makes sense. Uh, um, so, uh, there's plenty of There's plenty of claims or statements that the Pope has made as far as what the church is to, uh, how they are to act, how they are to worship, what they are to believe uh, in in regards to doctrine that are contradictory to Scripture. And so, yes, we I think we're all in agreement that the Pope has fallen away. And I'm there to say that those who have done their due diligence as far as reading the scripture goes are in the same boat as the Pope as far as not necessarily following the Bible as a whole when they're basically creating their own religion in contrast to what the Bible says. It says that Christ is the head of the church, but they have deemed it worthy and whatever, uh, however they come to that reason that the Pope has this authority um, and they're using one verse out of context, and, I mean, they have to be put in that same boat. It becomes a salvation issue for everyone that has done their due diligence. So I think it's important for us to spend a little bit of time, and we haven't discussed doing this, but talking about how this um, hierarchy built up over time. You know, this wasn't something... I think that those outside of the Catholic Church would contest that history shows us that this wasn't something that started on, you know, uh, that started with Peter. We would say that this was something that kind of crept in over the course of a, several or several hundred years. Um, that yeah. those first men who were called Pope, uh, Peter, I'm, I'm just reading off this list, Peter, then Linus, then Anacletus, uh, Clement, Evaristus, that those first ones, while they were leaders in the church in Rome, would not say that they were the head of the church. 
Now, what happened was um, that the churches in the different cities built up uh, had church leaders, and they would often come together for meetings where they would talk about church doctrine, which I think is actually a good thing to do for the church today, that churches should uh, come together while still autonomous, that we should have congregate, we should, we should have uh, co- communication about what we believe on certain issues. Not that we control each other, but that just that we're in uh, conversation with each other. Um, it's similar to what we do with lectureships these days. Anyway, so after a course of time, though, it, it got to where that there was uh, bishops within each city, and there would be one head elder that was seen to have power in each of the different cities. And over time, uh, probably several hundred years later, um, these bishops uh, – eventually said that there is one elder that is the head of all other elders out of this hierarchy. Uh, and it is because of that that this Catholic, this idea of the Catholic universal church developed because it really was a, a worldwide church that oversaw most Christians around the world. Mm-hmm. So I think you're you're saying that, and I would agree with most of the history you just gave. I think you're saying that to make the point that it's not a, a faulty argument based on scripture. It's it's more of a, if we would say, a faulty argument based on tradition. That this slowly happened, and they can retroactively look back on scripture to give it a foundation. But it's not that they developed something. Uh, picked a verse out to defend it. It's something that already existed, and then they um, post-sense defended it. We are going to break our conversation right there. If you want to hear the rest of our thoughts regarding the Catholic Church, download our next podcast and listen as we discuss the remaining issues of original sin, the ministry of priests, and our final breakdown of the comparison. We'll see you next time. Mm-hmm.